Hello there, and welcome to my podcast. I'm Connie. I'm a certified nutritionist, personal trainer, busy mom, and I live on a small hobby farm. I'm a former bodybuilder, and I currently have found a love for endurance sports, but I'm not your typical athlete. I believe there are many more contributors to athletic performance and overall health, and that we as a population might be doing it wrong. You won't see me pounding goose or chicken and rice, but you will see me in the pursuit to fuel not only athletic performance, but also balance it with optimal health. This is not just a podcast for athletes. Many people that fall into the health scene get there for a reason. I found myself in suboptimal states at multiple times in my life, and it has really sparked my passion for metabolic and systemic health. I'm constantly a student of what I love, and now I hope to help others by bringing quality guests to the show to share their opinions and resources to hopefully help you formulate strategies to help you crack your health code. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode. I'm so excited that you guys are joining me today. And thankful that you're hanging in there with these bi-weekly podcasts. I think it's been going pretty well to shoot for every other Monday. So in case you missed the memo, I have currently moved the podcast to every other Monday for the time being uh, so that I have more time to focus on my family and my clients, but still get good information out there for you guys. So hang in there. I haven't ditched you in any way. I'm just backing off the podcast to every other week. That way I am not inundated with tons of podcast stuff for every single week. So thank you so much for that and the support. And if you are getting value out of this podcast, make sure that you leave a review. They are very, very important. Also share them with your friends and family. That is the best way to pay me for my time on this podcast. Uh, As for the things that I've been doing, well, my husband ended up with COVID. He did great, got through it. It was a couple days of a sore throat and... That was about it. He was a little bit tired for a couple of days. And so beings, I had to cancel all of my in-person clients and he could not go to work and we were on quarantine. We decided to pack everything up and go hunting. So we spent a lot of time in the mountains with the fresh air. I was stuck in the horse trailer with him. We sleep in our horse trailer. Uh... Close contact. So far, I feel great. Have no problems at all. Uh, I did have it last November, so hopefully those antibodies are strong enough to keep me from getting sick again. But the biggest thing I have to attribute this all to is my overall health and my husband's. We work very hard to stay healthy, and there is a reason for that because it comes in really handy in times like this where there is a virus floating around. So we work really hard to maintain our health. So if your doctor is saying you are healthy, they need to be looking at the big picture, not just today and what your CBC looks like, but what does your vitamin D status look like? What does your iron status look like? There's so many things that are so important in this overall picture. Your metabolic health is a huge, huge, huge one. Metabolic health, I cannot stress this enough, is a major, major contributor in people that get really, really sick with COVID-19. So taking care of your blood sugar, blood sugar control. This doesn't mean, oh, my blood sugar was great when my doctor tested it and so I'm good to go. This means how hard is your body having to work to make that blood glucose be in a stable place. So these are just things to consider when thinking of your overall health. And yes, your doctor might say you're healthy now. If you aren't taking care of yourself, you may look and appear healthy right now. But what about the future? A lot of these things, they accumulate over time. So making sure that we are doing our best to set ourselves up for future success, not just today in the moment. You might be healthy today, but if you continue on with your poor eating habits, which I'm guessing most of my listeners are not uh, in that direction because they're on a health and wellness podcast, but uh, anyway, working on everything that you can now so that your future will thank you, okay? So jumping off my high horse there, please take care of yourself, folks. That is a really important part of the equation. Today, I'm super excited to have my friend Jerry on the podcast. I've been trying to have people that I know on the podcast and 
I met him at the Women and Girls in Strength conference. He was a coach there, uh, learning all the great things that I was learning. We bumped into each other, made immediate friends, went to lunch together. Uh, we've stayed in contact this whole time. These conferences are great for putting you in connection with other like-minded individuals that are just great human beings. And so I'm really lucky to have met Jerry. And so now today he is on the podcast. He is the founder of Viking Performance and his business is in Morgantown, West Virginia. And they focus on strength and conditioning for youth, teens, and adults. Uh, really great place. He has a lot of experience and today we talk a lot about experience with youth and creating habits that last them a lifetime. Uh, we also talk about sustainable fitness and kind of go down a couple fitness rabbit holes. It's a really great episode and I'm really hoping that you find some pearls in it. I'm super excited for you guys to be listening to my episode with Jerry Hanley. All right, Jerry, I'm super excited to have you on the show. I've been recently bringing on people that I personally know instead of people that uh, I reach out to based on their knowledge bank. Uh, and so I met you at the WGISS conference in Spokane, Washington, which is the Women in Strength Sports Conference. That's kind of hard to say. Uh, anyway, uh, which was a really awesome experience. There were so many really great people there, tons of coaches and athletes all learning about different lifting techniques and different realms of strength sports and nutrition and all sorts of awesome stuff. So it was a really great conference. I came away from with from it with a lot of friends. So I'm super excited to have you joining me on the show. Thanks, Connie. Yeah, no, I'm freaking pumped to be here. And like just like you said, like that conference was it, it was great. It was easily the best conference I've been to actually, because I'm kind of conferenced out to tell you the truth. Like I haven't <laughs> been a few years. I'll send my coaches if they want to go sometimes, but most of the time I'm not looking at them anymore as, you know, like, oh, like, what are the topics? What can I learn from? Because it's one of those things like I've been doing the 17 years, like there aren't many things that I want to go see someone talk about very often. But when I shifted my mindset roughly six months before the conference, I'm like, you know what, like, if I think about it in terms of who might be there, people I can meet, watching the instructors and how they teach, like all of a sudden, I think this could be like a lot like a lot this could just be like a much better experience and I went and it was just freaking awesome like yeah from the information to the people and it was funny because and I don't know if you remember but I was literally one of three guys yeah yeah <laughs> and it had never crossed my mind at any point until showing up that that might be a thing <laughs> I've worked with over 50% of my clients have been female from day one. So I like, ne never crossed my mind that there, it might not be even, I was like, Oh, what's up, you know, guy two, guy three. And like, yeah, like dozens of females. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, and it was great. Cause we all had such a great time, like learning each other's backgrounds and what they do and what they like to teach. And that's kind of why I ended up going is I wanted to learn different ways to teach people how to do things, um, as well as different facets of the strength sports in general, because I think everybody knows I'm, I is, am, were, was a bodybuilder. I don't know what I am. I don't know how I identify Jerry. Uh, <laughs> a Renaissance athlete. Yeah, exactly. I don't know how I identify like <laughs> right now. I'm like kind of endurance, kind of lift some weights, kind of do some some racing things. I don't know. I got to do everything. But anyway, I wanted to get more into that kind of stuff. And it was really, really cool to uh, learn all these different techniques and like the equip lifting and the strongman. And, and so I had a really great fun time. Uh, so yeah. 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 yeah like they, the quality of people was fantastic and made the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And cause yeah, like, I mean, people like you, you know, like we literally met there had never had, you know, no, never crossed each other's radar, which makes sense since you lived like 40 minutes away and I live 2000 miles away, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. 
and then a combination of you know some people close to me like south carolina group there um and as well as people like dana dana snow you know who like who kind of put the whole thing together and she's a usa powerlifting like legend mm-hmm. uh, and you know i talked to her for about a, probably a year via email but had never actually had a chance to meet have real conversations and to bring all that together is just definitely cool and, and i'm glad yeah they're like it's people that i've just like this have been consistently keeping in touch with whether it's commenting on social media supporting each other when they post like a victory that they have or something you know like setting a new pr or getting back to the competition platform like you name it there are i mean i, I would say like at least at least 10 people from that conference so far that have still stayed in touch with at least every couple of weeks again even if it's just that touch high five whatever it is like Mm -hmm. there aren't too many different things you can get that with yeah no I I love the community and it's always great meeting new people and and I love learning from people I mean we all have so many different techniques and ideas and ways of thinking about things that I I always try to remain open-minded when I'm talking to people and listening to the way they like to do things. So, um, but yeah, so today I kind of wanted to chat with you. So you primarily are coaching teenage athletes for the most part in your business, which is really, really cool. Uh, and there's a lot of directions we can go with that, but you're also starting. The reason I wanted to chat with you is because you're starting with people at a really young age. And so I kind of wanted to talk about creating like sustainable fitness patterns, because I'm sure many of the kids that you're working with, you're making like a lifelong impact on them, something that hopefully they're going to take away with them and use as a tool in their toolkit for the rest of their life. Right. Yeah. And that's, um, it's the type of thing that, you know, it took me a while to get, to, to get accustomed to the idea of staying with it, but you are right. It, it is a lifelong impact. <laughs> and, um, again, it's not just from seeing that, but also hearing that over and over again. And I mean, like you said, with the young, with the young age, it's like, I, I basically have literally gone backwards in my career. Like I started, um, you know, just for a few years doing part-time personal training in, uh, when I was still in college and undergrad, uh, you know, so that was just whoever it was. So whether they be like, uh, like high schoolers, you know, slightly younger than me, college students, or, or some adults, you know, brand new into fitness. Then I got into college strength and conditioning. So it was that 18 to 22, 23 year old crowd for the most part, you know, like um, elite athlete yet still varied training levels when it comes to strength and conditioning. And now, yeah, like as of seven years ago and opened the gym, it's been, you know, like I said, like roughly two thirds, 70% high schoolers and middle schoolers. And we've even got a kids program that's grow that's been growing and doing really well that has kids as young as four in it. <laughs> I so, love that. That's so awesome. Yeah, I think and, you, uh, you met the Muncie's right. That, um, yeah. were at, and they, they were the strongman trainers and they posted on their Instagram, their little guy, I think he's like two years old, maybe. Uh, about that age lift they have like little foam barbells and dumbbells for him and he works out with them and it's like man they're teaching him that strong is cool right off the bat that yeah exactly and like kids don't have that filter until they're told to about not about the things they can't do and um you know some of them might be a little bit more worried than others but as soon as they try it and find out they can do it they're usually fine and, and then also, you know, like you think about the way we, that we learn how to move, like, you know, this is the way that works for standing up for a baby learning how to walk. It's, there's actually been a, and this isn't like a new idea. This has been around forever is that, for example, babies or kids, you know, toddlers have like perfect squat technique, mm-hmm. <laughs> like time. once they figure it out, like, but it's just that like baby squat to pick things up or something is like a natural, perfect human, like human movement. And it's usually only when they start no longer moving all the time or naturally, like just, you know, inner hours and hours of forced sitting or things like that in chairs that, that they start, that, that starts to possibly be lost more. And then by the time they get to middle school, high school, if they lose it, then they have to basically learn it again. <laughs> so there's like all that type of stuff that, yeah, like a lot of what these kids are doing, um, and when I say kids, I can use it interchangeably for any age in that group. I just keep calling them all kids. I'm at that age now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where, but yeah, like um, as long as they keep doing it, there's really no limit. Um, and, and that's a big part of what we do is that there's here, there is like, especially the younger it goes, 
there is literally no limit as to what we allow a kid to do. Mm-hmm. It's just simply, it's completely self-regulated. I mean, we get, I mean, we program them, we, we guide them, we tell them to stop or, you know, when to do things like that. Like we tell them what to do. Like it, it's completely full of guidance, but we don't have preconceived limitations of what that kid can do at any age, mm-hmm. uh, which is honestly a big part of how we got like, or how some people find us is there aren't many, there aren't really many gyms total but you know especially around where i'm at in morgantown west virginia for example a lot of gyms still have that old school like nobody under 16 allowed nobody Mm -hmm. under 14 allowed Mm -hmm. and so sometimes parents come in and you know it it might be like a strong athletic 13 year old taller than i am which that happens all the time um who you know just like oh like you know you're the only gym that we've heard great like we let me start over you're the only gym who even works with kids this age and then we looked into it and saw nothing but great things so we were really excited to try it Mm -hmm. um and that goes all the way down like our kids program for example has that and um other like there's only one or two other kids programs i know of really like i mean nationally so to speak Mm -hmm. and they all have very again those preconceived limits it's a safety first mentality i mean it makes sense where it comes from you know but it'll be like, okay, no, don't lift anything over 12 pounds until you're 12 years old. And it's like, seriously, <laughs> I mean, it's like, that's a gallon and like that, that's less than two gallons of water, you know? Yeah. Well, and you know, that was one thing that always frustrated me is like my kids, when I didn't have a gym in my basement, now I have a sweet gym. I don't got to worry about it. We all work out together. Uh, but my kids would, my son would be like, I want to go to the gym with you, but he couldn't because it was 14 or older. You couldn't, you couldn't invite them to come with you or learn any of that. So, uh, none of your fitness love could even rub off of it on them at that point, really. Yeah. Like I remember like I started for the first six, seven years, I lifted at a local YMCA. Uh, I mean, I, I, I love that place because of that, like, you know, just a small little weight room, nothing big, but I still remember that big, enormous thing of rules on the wall. And that that was definitely one of them was like nobody under, I think it said 16, unless accompanied by, you know, like a YMCA trainer or something like that. And yeah, I was 13 when I started back then in 1996. (laughs) So like, but I still remember that, that list of rules. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because then I went to, then I worked in college where there were rule, where there were rules, especially the second director I worked under was very stickler for a lot of specific things like no sitting in the weight room, no yawning, etc. That um, when I when I opened this gym, Viking Performance, it was okay. I care about results, and I care that the people who come here have fun or at least enjoy training, and that's it. <laughs> it's like those are the only two things like that matter for me. Like I. Like um, I specifically tell people, I like we are not a safety first gym. I am not a safety first guy because if you do things correctly, it'll be safe anyway. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Actually, you you crack me up. Your your if anybody needs to get a good laugh, they should just go over to your social media. You've got some great things on there. Uh, but you were cracking me up the other day. You've got a rubber chicken, and you <laughs> there it is. Yep. <laughs> Oh yeah, there it is. <laughs> and you're going up there and messing with everybody with the rubber chicken. And I was like, Oh my goodness, this thing is great. Yeah. Like, and it's, um, it's, uh, and people connect with it. And, um, when I messaged you right before we got on this recording, cause I was go- going live really quick with the, with a short, you know, I had a short break. I wanted to go live sometime today and you might come across this later, but we have a high schooler out there. Who's, uh, like been decorating the gym with Halloween stuff. Uh huh. And I started the live video wearing this guy. <laughs> giant and, pumpkin. Like, see this, it's a giant pumpkin head mask. And then, you know, I had like the phone flipped recording the mask. And then I actually had on this underneath the pumpkin mask. <laughs> came back to me, I was just wearing my, my Jason Friday the 13th mask. And, and like I said, it's like, you can kind of say it's uh, purposeful as a business owner, but it's, it's purposeful in the sense that I just several years ago, like I'm just, I was like, I'm just going to be me. Yeah. <laughs> like, and the whole reason, like, um, not to go into, you know, like a, a tangent or anything, but I, I'm, I'm kind of a minority in strength and conditioning. Cause that's what I consider myself. You know, that's where I started. And, um, 
in the sense that I did not get the strength and conditioning through sports. Like I didn't, I was not a high school athlete or college athlete. I was, I got serious into martial arts and like MMA before it was anywhere near what it is now. And that's what got me really serious about training, but that was all like internally directed. Like that was, um, like, I, yeah. So, I mean, I got hooked on training because I enjoyed it and enjoyed both training and then also just learning about it and all the variables you can work with. And to me, that's what was so fun about it. Or like, that was just the enjoyable part about it. So it wasn't like, I wasn't one of these people who like, say I hit 24 years old, for example, and sports has been my life. So the only thing I know to do or want to do is just simply remain in sports. Like, which there's nothing wrong with that at all. I just mean like that wasn't my path. So my path was literally, I enjoyed the weight room. A lot of my best friends ever, ever I've met in the weight room. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so it just made sense that when opening this place, it was like, okay, like, you know, that's going to be the key. And it's just going to be through being, again, be myself. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Like myself plus training. So yeah, that involves rubber chickens, Halloween masks, and whatever else random nonsense comes in. Cause I'm a very randomized person. <laughs> I love it. Well, so I, one thing I really love is you guys are working solely on performance. So this is not coming from an aesthetics uh, point of view, which I think is really, really important, especially with today's youth, because they have so much pressure on them to look a certain way. Society's pressures are crazy. Right. And right. I think that even us as parents, we have to be careful, right? Like myself, when I used to do lots of bodybuilding, I started noticing my daughter would be like, Hey, look, I have a two pack of abs. She would say, and she's like, <laughs> she's like three years old. And then like, I noticed that once I wasn't like, cause I, I, I spent like five years totally shredded in front of my kids. Right. And she turns like six oh, yeah. and I start like getting back to what a normal person looks like. And she's like, mom, you got fat on your tummy. <laughs> and yep. it's not that she was like being mean or anything, but she, I had talked about how I would just, I mean, you, I was talked about how I had abs all the time or like that stuff comes up when that's what you're training for. It comes into your home. And next thing you know, my child is scoping it out to see if she has abs and she's, noticing thinks that I'm fat and I'm like, yeah. Oh crap, we've got a big problem here. If my six-year-old thinks that I'm fat overlooking normal, then we need to renormalize what normal should look like. And so that took a lot of work on my part, uh, as a parent, not saying things in front of my child, like, Oh, I need to lose weight. Like, or I need to go work out to look a certain way or, uh, examining my body basically needed to become a non-existent thing in my household. Yeah. Yeah. That a thousand percent of what you said. And one thing I really want to point out from what you said for everybody listening is um, so I like, I don't have kids on my own, you know, I'm, I'm going to say yet, you know, who knows, but it's, I have worked with at this point, I've worked with a, at least a couple of thousand at like kids under eight, under the age of 18. And I find it's like a coaching and coaching in any field is like has some degree of counseling involved, you know, whether it's therapeutic or planning, who knows, like that type of thing. But so being a counselor is in fact, that's something that actually should be taught in curriculums, but isn't. Um, but somebody wants a, a niche that is, you know, a blue water niche. There you go. Counseling. Mm -hmm. um, but it's like, um, uh, get back to my train of thought yeah so with, with that counseling is like i found that um do it like helping athletes talk to them throughout the day but at least my role at the gym now like not just the athlete like, i mean not just the athletes but since i'm also the primary communicator with parents when it comes to either updates finding out their future plans or they ask me questions etc is i actually at this point in time i would say i counsel parents more so than athletes and it's the result of having been with thousands of athletes of this age. And I remember that like the parent, like you as the parent, for example, uh, I mean, you have four kids, right? Four. I have I two. Oh, two. Oh, sh yep. shit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, four. Oh man. I don't know if I can handle that. I can hardly handle <laughs> one double. or two. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. so, uh, edit note. Connie has two kids, not four. Yeah, uh, that's all right. Yeah. So parents only go like, 
a parent is, you know, dealing with a 14 year old, for example, it might only be their first, second, third time with a 14 year old. Like they, mm -hmm. they like it is new to them or they like, and you know, throw in the fact that everybody's individual and just because you had one 14 year old earlier doesn't mean, you know, what's wrong, what's going on with this 14 year old. Whereas I have literally had a thousand 14 year olds, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, in the gym. So, so actually, so figuring out what they're thinking is something I've actually become very good at. And here's the thing that most people forget is that when it comes to kids, and of course this is bigger the younger it goes, is their, their actual perspective or field of perspective and experience is legitimately smaller. So, you know, they've only been through, like, like you said with your, like your daughter, six years or 10 years or 14 years of life. They don't have 20, 30, 40, 50, like we might. And, you know, so they're, they have literally less years of life. They have a smaller world. They have seen less things. So everything has a definitive greater impact and importance in their life. So things that we can look back on and tell kids that it's not a big deal or, you know, like things that we know later are not important overall, you know, like that is true later, but it is not necessarily true now. Mm -hmm. So when like, um, so just because we can look back on it and say that at some point in time, it like it, that changed, but a 15 year old who, you know, has a bad breakup or like something like that, or had somebody say something mean on, on an Instagram post, something like that, who was nervous, like we may know that shouldn't be a big deal. And that same 15 year old, when they're 23, may understand it's not a big deal, but at 15 with only 15 years of life experience and two years of high school experience and four years of Instagram experience, it is going to be a big deal because it's a broader, it is literally a bigger percentage of their life in their brain. Mm -hmm. Like it's like that relative value does change. And that is a key to understanding so many things that kids and teens go through. I love that. That's a great perspective. And I am so thankful that you brought that up because we don't think about that part. It's, it's, we, we think with our, our wisdom from the, the years going by, but at the time when we were the same age, it was the same problem. It, it, exactly. Yeah. And that's one of those things. I mean, honestly, like I said, been doing this for a long time, but that really just became super clear to me probably within the last year because of the COVID responses. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I would just say that was probably that final catalyst. Like it's something I would say that I had been like just learning throughout over time, but I never brought it together to that like big cohesive thought or, or like lesson until starting to work with a lot of these kids afterwards. Mm -hmm. uh, like after things have been shut down with COVID. Mm -hmm. so. Well, that's a really interesting thing. So are you guys helping with nutrition at all in your uh, at, when you're doing, doing your coaching or are you, uh, just doing the workout programming? Yeah, directly. It's just the workout programming, but our style of coaching relationships are a very big part of that. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, like it's, I, we're a very open space type of coaching. Like I consider mm -hmm. like open floor coaching. Um, it's not like one trainer is with you all the time. It, it can be, but we have like literally, literally three of those clients, mm -hmm. all the rest or being coached like open floor set up everybody's got their own workout coaches are going back and forth mm -hmm. so that involved to make that work we have to get to know them mm -hmm. uh like not just what they want to train and how that's going and how their form is but actually get to know them you know mm -hmm. how, how cool how's this how's whatever and a big part of that is bringing up those especially earlier i would say like earlier in the equation with with working with younger athletes we do talk more about general habits, everything from nutrition, how's that going, what are you eating, giving them feedback tips, especially if something just is really out of whack, or, or we know that it's like what their goal is, and they need to do something. Um, and then event, you know, as they, as they become the like, trust us, and also see us as more of an expert with things like that, they'll come up to us with, with more, with more significant questions. And so, yes, yeah, so it's not a direct work with nutrition, but we give them, but it's more like just like a basic mentoring and really, and it, it goes back to the same ideas before things that we may take is like some of the most basic nutrition information it doesn't mean that a 16 year old will know that it mm -hmm. doesn't mean, you know, this, it doesn't mean that an adult will know that, you, you know, like right. basic, you know, again, quote unquote, basic things like 
fat is nine is nine calories per gram carbs and protein are four yeah like some of the first things you ever learn in nutrition but that doesn't mean other people know it. <laughs> so keeping that so for us a lot of the big ones are getting them to eat usually more mm-hmm. so that is um very few of these kids eat enough um like a lot of them will be like a basically graze maybe two meals through the day especially if they're busy so they're so they're probably functioning at much lower levels than they could. Um, hydration's another big one. Like getting like we've gotten a lot of kids to do the gallon of water thing at, at schools. Like just you know actually taking the gallon of water at school, mm-hmm. uh, which is awesome. Like those those are the main ones for us when it comes to nutrition. I see just like the really just most basic principles to get them to improve stuff, mm-hmm. and then occasionally we'll help somebody like more like target something specific if they're looking for it like ironically we have more athletes who come to us wanting to gain weight than lose weight mm-hmm. so um I said it's probably not ironic being in sports performance but just compared to a lot of what if what a lot of fitness people are used to yeah they're not used to having like a, you know like i'd say i mean i'd say half of our athletes don't have a goal when it comes to weight it's again just simply performance mm-hmm. but they usually end up gaining weight as a result and plus they get older and but then those who do it's overwhelmingly wanting to gain weight like than it is lose weight yeah i just was curious because i know right you know with like uh we'll just use wrestling as an example right you've got kids that are that a lot of times have interesting eating habits and i i've had to do some nutrition for some college or not college but a high school and college athletes um and I find with the high school athletes that I want, I don't want to give someone an eating disorder over, over explaining things either. So I have found that, uh, you know, working with it in a different way than you would with a normal weight loss client. I mean, you, you kind of have to deal with nutrition in a different way. And so, and, and the way that comes down to the way you talk about things and everything. Right. So, uh, that's one thing I've always had in the back of my head is making sure that you don't make demonize anything either when you're working with young people. Yeah, exactly. Like we, um, just over time, I've just given some very, very easy kind of instructions to, to like the coaching staff we've accumulated here. Uh, but I said, most of them are great. Cause they're all here for the right reason. You know, they're, they're all here for the reason to, to help the clients out to help the kids out. Um, and so, so most of them kind of understand it intuitively, but we do have like a, like, for, for example, is um, we have a lot of gymnasts and like that mm-hmm. number keeps increasing. And what that's one of those really basic rules is do not bring nutrition up to gymnasts unless they ask, like help them with anything they ever ask for. But just kind of like you said, just as a demographic, if we're like, if we're going to be honest, that sport has a higher rate of, of eating disorders. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just simply don't bring it up. Cause since we do get to see them as performance and we have the like relatively unbiased view of we're here to help them like with their performance tools, we're going to see if they start becoming unhealthy or at least like that, like if something is not progressing the way it should, like that we're going to see that. And that would open up a conversation for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, luckily, we have not, I, luckily, like knock on wood, I have not seen that happen since I worked in, in college. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but I said like otherwise, and ca- kind of similar with other athletes uh, um, who may seem like really, really lean mm-hmm. and who just, if it was simply a visual test, you might be like, uh, this this could this could go either way like there could be some malnourishment here but yeah. we don't know that like there are you know there's occasional other things there might be under like underlying conditions they're working with and fighting so again like we are like a we're instructed to just simply again focus on the performance focus on the improvement if an athlete is showing week after week that they are continuing to become better as an athlete mm-hmm. then then at least they're not at what i would consider like danger level for yeah. us to a conversation and possibly create a situation where there wasn't anything. Yeah, that makes perfect sense, especially because you and I both know that um, you don't progress if your nutrition is totally out of whack. And that could be in the form of an eating disorder or the other way or 
a nutrient deficiency somewhere. So your training just straight up doesn't progress. And you guys would be the first to know that if that was something that was going on. It, exactly. Exactly. And, and it's great. Cause I mean, it's, it's like some, like a lot of athletes, uh, male and female are pretty open at actually talking about their weight and they understand it. Like when everything else they're around is fair, is based like on, on like kind of science and like well put together and healthy they normally understand at least at some point they understand that weight is part of that and that changes in weight are expected if not if even not welcome up or down mm -hmm. um, so and again that kind of comes with with knowing them and that's where like you know when you put in longer timing like uh because that's one of the other things that's here like especially with some of the younger athletes is um we will have some of these athletes, you know, three, four years, either, either the whole time or on and off, you know, like come in for four or five, six months at a time, leave for two or three, come back. And so, so we see them through development and we also just get to know them like that. And like our, our longest athlete right now has, is over six years continuous. Like she started as a high school freshman and she's a college junior right now. Oh, wow. Uh, and still training. And what's funny is she's a goal, she's a, a college goalkeeper now in soccer. She, she um, of, I mean, she's an average or slightly above average average height for a female. She's like five seven probably. Um, her sister, her younger sister, who was, the, the, I'm talking about bring this up because of the development, was in fifth grade when we started training the older one. Mm -hmm. And or no wait probably sixth grade yeah that would be right so we started training the older one at ninth the younger one was in sixth grade and like up to my hip mm -hmm. you know <laughs> and it, later in seventh grade she got allowed to start training with us as well and by the time she was a sophomore she was taller than her older sister and she's a soccer defender but she's like two and a half inches taller than her older sister <sighs> because of being a goalkeeper every half inch matters and you're angry about it and it's, it's just really funny but <laughs> But, um, but anyway, the whole reason I brought that up is again, like, so we knew this girl, the younger one from when she was, I mean, I don't know, but probably like 85 pounds. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she probably honestly weighs like 163, 165 or something now. Mm -hmm. But again, she's just tall, strong, like one of the strongest people on the field, no matter who she plays mm -hmm. and all that stuff. And it just comes with it. And so a lot of times it, it's like, uh, I know that to if people are like one step removed, they may not understand that. Like a high school girl, her like her height, for example, frame, they may think like, oh, like she's heavy, but it's like not a, like as soon as you come into it, it's like, no, she's not. She's just really strong. Yeah, <laughs> and and she knows that because she's been in that environment for years. Um. um well, and especially because in young people, their bone density even changes, right? So um, when you pick around, pick up and set down heavy things, your bone density and everything changes. And that's something that I try to get out there to even adults. I'm like, listen, you're, if you start strength training now, you are going to be protecting your bone health up into your older years. Uh, you're not going to be that person at the old, more than likely not going to be the person at the old folks home falling down and breaking a hip or breaking wrists or being fragile because your body adapts, not just with muscle tissue, but also your bone as well. Yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. Like every, every piece of it is adapting. And so like, we're blessed in the sense that I feel very good about like how, how almost, how almost, if not every single young athlete here, like sees themselves in that way. Um, we know, like, again, we feel very strongly that the ones who may not look at themselves that confidently, like that way, or as their body are improving. Because that's one of the things too. Like to me, if you do work with younger, with younger, with just younger population period, and again, really this same lesson applies for everybody. But since I am looking at it this way is, um, it was probably six, like we've been open seven, a little over seven years. It was probably five, at least five, maybe six years before anybody actually called or came in the door and said something, something looking to get help. My kids become more confident, but that is what 
every single one was experiencing before that. So they would all come in thinking themselves or saying, you know, like stronger on the stronger on the field, want to get faster, jump higher, make this, you know, improve our improve their chances of making the starting like the starting position or making the team get a get a you know try to get noticed for college get a college scholarship those are the external like black and white factors that we always hear but then when they come in they see themselves getting stronger they you know they get the positive feedback loop of that like to me that's why performance is so great there is like if you do it right there is a very positive feedback loop and when you perform better, you feel better. Like it's just nobody performs better and feels worse. You know? Yeah, like, absolutely. Not part of human neural wiring. Um, so everybody feels better. Like I said, like age doesn't even matter in that. Everybody performs better and thus feels better about it. Their confidence goes up as they're feeling better about it. And, um, and, and that happens, you know, whether they came in confident or they came in unconfident, like regardless, there is that improvement. And so eventually it became to the point where enough people talked about that either in reviews, testimonials, word of mouth, that it actually hit a point to where parents who were looking for it actually started thinking of that too. Like, hey, it's not like, you know, such and such may not even play sports but we want to help him find something that he likes and improve his self-confidence. Mm-hmm. We've heard great things about Jerry at Viking performance. Let's go check that out. So it finally like transcended beyond just the physical to where people are actually understanding the mental benefits of it as well. And like seeing it before they even start. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's a big message for the community itself. Mm-hmm. It, because that's a big one. Cause now, like I said, that's just one more tool, one more way that people can communicate to try to get those kids involved in something like strength training, correct strength training to improve that confidence. Mm-hmm. And, and again, like those things just come with like so many of those things just simply are interrelated. Like it's again, like it, it, I, I guess it's possible to be confident and have body dysmorphia or eating issues, but it's pretty, it's, it's less like, it's definitely less likely than if you're, un, if you're the exact same person, but just have low confidence. Yeah. Yeah. It's stronger armor. That's all it is. Yeah. Like your confidence is directly stronger armor. So if you do go to school and hear crap or you're on social media and see crap, like anything like that, like you just have the the more confident you are in yourself, the more you're on the more armored you are against, against possibly going in down and like deeper, darker thoughts about that. Mm -hmm. I like that. Um, so we'll kind of transition here a little bit because one thing I wanted to kind of run by you and and hear your opinion on is, um, I like what you're doing with young people as far as lifting. I think a lot of people are afraid to have their kids lift or do this stuff because they're afraid of loading their joints and all of these things. But I I will say anecdotally, right. I, and I'm just kind of shooting from the hip there, but, um, anecdotally, my clients that have been in a really physical career or grew up in a really physical home, uh, myself included, right? I grew up on a farm, so I was always throwing hay, chopping firewood, moving things around, carrying buckets of water, have more body awareness. So um, I think I feel like a lot of the there you're seeing more and more youth now that don't have body awareness, um, yes. a, a proprioception around their movement because they're not actually getting out and moving the way that humans were meant to move. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up. Cause I'm, I'm huge into that type of like thinking and that type of work. And so, so just to get perspective for like listeners or anything like that, we are a, I mean, where I said we're a strength and conditioning gym. It's a very free weight based approach we have here. Like it's so again, people are having to move more quote unquote naturally because more of the exercises are standing up at most sitting down, very few machines. And we also happen to be, well, you know, like we met the conference, we're a very big, we also have a pretty big strength sport community. Um, it's both powerlifting and strongman. And and it's great because we'll get strong men, strong women come in from three hours away just to train sometimes, just to get a training day because like the the atmosphere and the equipment and stuff like that. And while I bring that up, it's while, while something like strong man is so different to so many people still, 
it's honestly more relatable to quote unquote normal, normal physical life than most exercises are in a gym. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, cause it, it's basically, cause a lot of people think strongman is a thing. And I mean, that's part of it. It's like, it's actually not, <laughs> it generally just means like um, who's the best prepared to do things that involved at least some sort of heavy weight, but that might be a max effort, you know, like, like it might be a max weight lifted, which is just a max effort. It might be something you have to carry, you know, which might be for maximum distance. It might be for speed. It might be for repetitions. Um, it, again, the lifting itself might be, a, it's going to be a heavy weight, but it might be for max or it might be for reps. It might also be for speed. Like, so literally every like strength, speed and endurance and movement are all encapsulated in something like strongman. Mm-hmm. And so like, it's a great training tool, but it's also a great reminder that like, um, we're very big on not on specifically not having a training philosophy, how mm-hmm. most people define it as, Oh, we're like, we do most, we do like a powerlifting style or we have a hit style or we have a CrossFit style. That's how most people define a training philosophy here. It's all a tool. Like it's all a tool. Um, like when I was at WVU, I, I taught too. like, and that's kind of when I came up with this, like I had 12 years of teaching college classes. And I remember telling a lot of those students that, in the end, like there's no such thing in turn, like as an Olympic extra, as an Olympic lift or as a CrossFit exercise, it's, it all started off as moving your body to create X result or X amount of force to move or hold, you know, this or move from point A to point B, how fast do you want it? Like moving the body is the goal. <laughs> so like you said, like getting the body to do something and become better at a movement is the goal. So every single exercise or training program you do is just a tool to make that goal happen. And to, to wrap that all up is that like, that is what so many basic movements used to do and people, and that's still the goal. So like I said, when people don't do that nearly as much anymore, either when they're growing up or even as an adult, it's like I said, they do lose that. And, you know, like I mentioned way back at the beginning about the kids with the prop with the perfect squat form. Again, they eventually lose that sitting all the time. You lose stuff like that. You know, like a research shows that when you sit all day, you know, or at least like multiple hours, your hip flexors actually lose sarcomeres. So they actually literally become shorter. So if you're not moving them or something like that, your hip flexors are actually getting smaller. Um, as well as like tons of research out there on the negative effects of too much sitting, like a, like a complete day of bed, you know, not many people go through this, but a complete day of bed rest can lose up from two to 7% of your strength one day. Wow. That'll come back. (laughs) But that is a perfect example, simply of how much your body is not designed to just simply sit around and not move like like that. Mm -hmm. Um, is how much it can lose when it really isn't allowed to move. And, and there's all sorts of, of like hints and tools throughout different sports that show you this. Like, uh, I'm such a nerd, <laughs> but it's like, um, where, like, for example, say a distance running, but not even crazy distance running. Say, take like a 5K, mm-hmm. a like basic, you know, 5K, you're, you know, your world class athletes are looking like 14, 15 minutes good other athletes, you know, you're just good runners in general or looking at like the higher tens, you know, things like that. But so it's not that long. It's long, but it's not that long. But the biggest markers and improvement, like the best way you can find out who the athletes are probably going to be are how much total distance are they running in a week? It's not who runs the fastest. It's not who does the hardest like intense workouts through the week it's through the week who did the most regular like frequent regular total mileage so you get to the top where like um okay say high school i'm at right now like 35 to 45 miles is a pretty sizable amount for a lot of these high schoolers over the week some of them might run a little bit more some of them run less that's pretty sizable you get to college and a lot of them are pushing 70 80 90 miles a week um, I had, uh, I got to work with some of the 
like girls uh, at WVU um, who after college turned pro and ran pro, including a uh, one girl who one girl who ran for the Canadian Olympic team in 2008, 5K. She was a 5K champion her senior year in high in college. Um, another girl was more of a marathon runner and finished uh, her first marathon ever was bought was Boston. Was that the first? No, I think that's it's idea. Her, her biggest one was Boston and she finished 16th her first time ever doing the Boston marathon. And both of them ran like 120 to 140 miles a week. Wow. Again. So for, so again, but that was even, even the girl who did the 5k, like ran 140 miles a week. <laughs> so it's like, who did the most regular fitness stuff? And you see that all the time. Like, um, anybody who you who, who just, loves to see these type of things like if you don't know a man by the name of ode haugen so like you you need to go you need to go find out about him it's mm -hmm. spelled odd like odd odd space h-a-u-g-e-n he lives in california now um but he has literally done everything he was like a bodybuilder and like these he's well he's literally a viking he's from norway um he made his own weight sets when he was like 10 he was a bodybuilder he was the, he's the oldest man who have ever competed in the open class at world's strongest man. He was a championship powerlifter. He trains uh, from, since the beginning of his of like this other guy's career. He's trained Martins Lysis, who won 2019 world's strongest man. He's uh, like one of the international presidents of a very small niche strength sport known as Moss wrestling. And he runs like uh, he's been growing grip strength sports in the, in the, across the world like this man is like literally a strength legend but he's 72 73 years old now and still you know like being like oh i'm gonna like pick up a 400 pound deadlift on a like two and a half inch fat bar with my bare hands you know like he did a fat bar behind the back deadlift with a, like with 400 some pounds like three months after hip surgery uh after a hip replacement um but anyway the reason i bring that up is he will say very blatantly his biggest thing is move every single day mm -hmm. <laughs> every single day and you look back and i say he's like the best example now but you look back at a lot of these classic old time strongman type thing mm -hmm. or like um because because you see that you know like uh and that was always the biggest that was always the common thread mm -hmm. was do some movement almost all the time, almost every day, which just goes a lot back more, like you said, like the farming lifestyle or simply the manual labor lifestyle, just do something all the time. And, and you'll see that too, because like, look at the, look at a lot of the athletes now, like look at your say NFL guys uh, or, or, you know, pro bodybuilders, something like that. Like none of them are healthy in their forties, fifties, sixties, or, you know, it's a very small, it's a, it's a minority percentage of them. Mm -hmm. Whereas, Whereas look at, yeah, like look at a lot of those more old fashioned guy, like, like so just different types of athletes, whether like in any sport or something like just old strong men before strong men with the sport. And it was more of a spectacle mm -hmm. really, but what brings it all together is like they all did movement almost every single day. So it's ironic, like what they, they may have known less training science. Like there may be a lot more stuff now about measuring power outputs and all that stuff and movement patterns, but they had figured out the most important part was to just keep working out and keep moving. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, like they had figured that part out. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, anyway, it's funny. Cause like, uh, if, like to me, this really shows it the single hardest thing, like, like that you'll find is most people now, like whether it's teenagers or adults, if they have not been shown how or trained, most people will not be able to keep their posture straight. Mm -hmm. um, hinge their hips and be able to keep their knees like in that semi-flexed stiff position at the mm -hmm. same time mm -hmm. like that that that's that's to, to me like in the performance world that's the like trifecta is mm -hmm. straight back posture hinge the hips can you do that keeping your knees slightly bent but stiff most people can't do those three things together. Like they, something will miss, it will go like, they straighten their back and they'll have to lock their knees mm -hmm. or they bend their knees and they can no longer hinge their hips and they just lean their back forward, like things like that. So, and, and that is really close. 
like that with just basically squatting or like to the ground, I mean, are basically like your two most basic human movements you're supposed to be able to do. Mm -hmm. So what's kind of, um, kind of move forward here now into the future, because that is the hardest, most overwhelming part, right? Is as we age, it gets harder and harder to find a sustainable fitness program. And then you also have all this propaganda out there saying, okay, as an adult, you have to work out like seven days a week and do all this cardio and, and stuff in order to maintain fitness. And it's absolutely not true. So can you just, for the, for the last part of this podcast, can we kind of talk about creating sustainable fitness and what it could look like through all ages? Yeah, for sure. I'll tell you what, like you just posted a few days ago on your social media, a perfect message, which was, yeah, like 20, 30 minutes is still better than nothing. <laughs> like, I mean, that, that was so key and so many people do miss out on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Like I, I struggle with, I, I have struggled with that in the past is that, um, I mean, I think the biggest thing for one is being aware that like being aware slash learning that it doesn't have to be just like you said, like the full intense workout all the time. Mm-hmm. Just because you were able to do it when you're 19 doesn't mean you have to be able to do it when you're 39. Mm-hmm. You can, I mean, you can by all means, if, if, if things have been going well and, and you, like just if, if things have been lining up for you, you can definitely be in better shape in your 40s, 50s, 60s, even older than you were in high school. <laughs> like, oh, I most yeah. certainly am. I, yeah. I was yeah, actually so- literally the other day I was training and I was like, there's no way in hell I could have done this as a teenager or even in my twenties. And what the right. heck, you know, I, I'm exactly. And- so like lesson number one is don't think <laughs> because we're talking about sustaining a workout program. That means it has to be lesser. That's definitely not the message we're getting. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So to make it work is being way more honest with yourself. I think about what you can, about what you can handle and where you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of different talk about this out there. Like some people might talk about like seasons of life or this, that if you are an athlete, it might be off season, in season, postseason, preseason, whatever. But I simply mean, be honest about all the things you're juggling. Mm-hmm. And once you can do that, and at that point, fit, like decide where to prioritize or fit in some form of healthy activity, that right there is going to be your key. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, um, so, so like, again, I'll just use me as an example here in this case is I am an example of that person who is crazy fit in their late teens and early twenties. And then I just became kind of like really strong. <laughs> and then I learned that when you open a gym, your own business surprise, the first workout that might go to trash is yours <laughs> because, because you're focused on everything else. Uh-huh. And like working on that and um, every injury that I've ever had is basically like, if it wasn't somebody literally hitting me, every injury that I've ever had was basically definitely during a period of high stress, mm-hmm. uh, high exhaustion. And, and even here, like, like uh, this year has actually been a very personally stressful year for me. That plus just making sure the business is going, wanting to focus on that type of thing. And then wanting to get my and continue improving my health. I want to feel strong again, all that stuff. I felt like I basically realized that I was never making it longer than three weeks. Mm-hmm. Like three is my key. Like I would, even if I, I would start a new workout program and I tried all sorts of stuff. I tried full workouts. I tried very short workouts. It's only like three exercises, um, three days a week, five days a week two days a week, you know, light runs in between walks in between whatever. Like I basically like in one year, I've tried a lot of different combinations, but week three was my, was my, was always my crucible. Like week three, the two programs that I actually saw through to the end for like four to eight weeks were the only two times I made it successfully through week three. Um, so, you know, for somebody else that it might be day five for somebody else, it might be day 60, like, or you, who knows? Um, I simply mean like I found where, for whatever reason, the, the combination of trying to keep up with my workout, that was the key. Trying to keep up with it was not realistically matching with what I was putting myself through either through responsibility that I had to do with the gym or personal family life, whatever, or wanted to do. Like that combination was always breaking down after about three weeks. Mm-hmm. So 
took a step back, decided what the number one main goal was, was like uh, this year, like to go with that, this year's had a lot of like weight yo-yos. Mm-hmm. Um, I've probably honestly changed a net of a hundred plus pounds this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, even though I'm probably like six pounds heavier than I started the year at, mm-hmm. but that's how many pluses and minuses I've gone through personally. And, but so I'm like, okay, I definitively feel better when I'm a two under 235. Like I have an eventual goal of getting like 215. I definitively feel better under 235. I just noticed that I'm 234 and a half or 235 and a half. It's like two totally different worlds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, and I was up like 247 at one point was like, this really sucks. Yeah. <laughs> so, so again, it's like just basically learning those things where I was at, where my weakness was again, combining those things for three weeks or longer being my personal weakness and then deciding, okay, what is the real priority? How can I work that with these other issues? Mm-hmm. So priority number one for me was get to feeling better with my energy again, to make that happen. I need to get under 235. Again, like that's just, that's what I've learned about my body. Mm-hmm. And with everything else that I'm currently trying to get done, the best way for me to do that is just consistent daily, but very low stress training. Mm-hmm. training. So right now I'm just at a point where I'm just taking a few weeks to try to walk an hour every night, like every day, every night. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's it. Like nothing hard, no pace. I can either be quiet, you know, like internally meditate, think, or freaking work. You know, sometimes it's like, that's my messaging time. I'm making like putting yeah. whatever comes to me. It's like, as long as I'm getting that hour walk in, it's good. And that's helping me again. Like, cause I do drop weight pretty quickly when I actually stay consistent. I just mm-hmm. also, I just also go backwards when, as soon as I don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, and again, like it's as simple as that was, it was just simply fa- basically failing a bunch of times but then finally going, okay, this is when, this is the combination of why. So mm-hmm. how do I make this work long enough to make that first goal happen? Right. So and it's like, and first goal was simply feel better, to be honest. Like I said, mm-hmm. 235 is just because I happen to have a number attached to that goal that I know is real. Yeah. You don't, you don't need one. You don't need to have that like, oh, I need to lose 10 pounds to stay like something like that. If your goal is simply feel better, again, find this. So to, to me, that, that would basically be the, the actual tip is find the eat, like find the lowest barrier form of sticking with something and then mm-hmm. do that long enough to see the progress mm-hmm. and then decide what you're going to do next. Absolutely. I, and that's exactly basically what I preach, right? Is figure out what you can do, even if it's undershooting it, which I'd rather somebody undershoot it. And they're like, oh, this is easy because it's easy to let it grow. Like you, you have so much room for letting, for growth that, that start small, be consistent about the small things and then add on later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, so many people have that all or nothing mentality when it comes to fitness. Yeah. And like, it's just funny. Cause like I said, I said, I love intensity. I said, I like doing strong things. Yeah. <laughs> I have personal interest of like how, like, you know, can I run 10 miles eventually? Like, I just not my thing. Um, and I work with a lot of distance runners. So again, it's not like I'm only in one world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but nevertheless, I was like, okay, like right now, it's not the greatest idea to work on that. Let me make myself, let me just simply get myself to feel better, stay consistent. Because again, it, like in almost everything that you do when it comes to fitness, being able to do it regularly and long-term trumps anything else. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I love that. So Jerry, if people want to follow you and your rubber chicken adventures, how do they do that? Uh, and Halloween's coming up. So there's going to be good ones for that too. Oh, um, perfect. Yeah. Like I try to be like the two that I'm trying to be most regular on are definitely Instagram and Facebook on Facebook. I mean, you can, you know, I still have plenty of friend requests. So there's either just Jerry Hanley um, which is where I do post most of the things on Facebook. And then I generally share them over to the Viking performance training, Facebook page on Instagram though. Um, the two main accounts is the real Viking performance train or no, sorry, just the real Viking performance. Just mm-hmm. one word, no, anything like that. Um, that's the business one. It's unfortunately it's relatively new, uh, meaning mm-hmm like uh because instagram took down my original profile that was six years old mm-hmm. so 
classic gold on that loss forever. Um, but then I uh, said so like the real Viking performance, and then you can follow me personally, which is a slightly different take on real Jerry Handley. On I love it. Well, I'm so thankful that you took a little time out of your busy schedule today to join me and, and talk shop about coaching young people and also some sustainable fitness. I, yeah, I freaking love the great talk. Like going in there. I always end up learning just as much stuff in, like in any of these talks as, as anybody else does. So I, that's what I love about podcasting. I love talking. I mean, obviously, uh, <laughs> we were joking out. We were, we were hiking up this mountain the other day and I was like, my, my son was just talking like crazy. And my husband goes, yeah, if he's not talking, he's not breathing. And he said, he gets that from somebody else I know. And I was like, I said, I have to work out my vocal cards every day. That is part of my workout routine. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. Thank you so much, Jerry. I appreciate it. You got it. Thank you. It was a freaking great time. Like love it. And it, yeah, I mean, definitely going to look forward to just staying in touch in the future. Awesome. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. I certainly appreciate it. I just want to let you know if you want to support me, I would certainly appreciate it. I have a ton of little extra things going on the side. Uh, as you know, I am an affiliate for LMNT, which is drinklmnt.com forward slash Connie. There you can get yourself a free sample pack of electrolytes. All you do is pay the shipping, which is awesome. And it also helps support this podcast. So get over there, check it out. I am really super excited because they just told me today that they are releasing a chocolate mint flavor. I cannot wait. So this drops on November 16th. I will have a fresh code for you at the next podcast where you can get your free sample pack of the chocolate mint flavor which is going to be super exciting and I cannot wait. Other ways to support me, check me out, beautycounter.com forward slash Connie Nightingale. These are all clean beauty products, personal care products, all of the things that you need to keep clean stuff in your house. I think you probably know my story. I slowly got rid of all of the nasty products in my house and moved everything over to clean stuff. And I found Beauty Counter and it has been a lifesaver in my clean beauty journey. Removed all of the toxic cleaning chemicals, all of the scented candles, everything. Now my house is completely clean. I make it smelly with the essential oil diffusers and all of that stuff. And it only makes sense to be using beauty products that support the same lifestyle so slowly I switched things out one by one and got myself quality makeup products you can do the same thing beautycounter.com forward slash Connie Nightingale thank you so much again for tuning in and I will see you in a few Mondays